Welcome to the Veritas Equipping Podcast, a podcast designed to provide insight, resources, and biblical wisdom. Our mission as Veritas Church is raise up mature disciples, send out everyday missionaries, glorify God. Join us as we pursue Jesus to become mature disciples and effective disciple makers for God's glory. Well, Veritas family, and by that, I mean every Veritas church out there and anybody else that wants to uh, listen in. Uh, my name's Jeff. I'm down at Veritas, Iowa City, and sitting here with two other Veritas pastors, Mark Arendt that I work with in Iowa City, and Jake Each in Cedar Rapids. And uh, all of us are taking this journey through the book of Revelation over this next several weeks, a few months here. And so this is this is a fun opportunity to actually just talk about what is that like from a pastoral perspective as a leader going through this, um, how are we approaching it and, and what are we thinking? So thanks for letting me do this, you guys. It's going to be a fun little time to, to talk about it. So I want to ask you to, first off, um, so when I came to know Jesus in college, at that point, there was this big push among a lot of Christian churches and Christian ministries on the campus to show all these movies. There was... Uh, a Thief in the Night, Image of the Beast, all these that had to do with the, the rapture of the church, and they were very scary and very terrifying, and, and they were evangelistic, you know, to get people to come to know Jesus before this, this uh, very apocalyptic end of things. So that was kind of imprinted on me early on as a Christian, right, where that, that was the image I had of the book of Revelation and all things end times was that kind of stuff. So um, I've had to see what part of that was legit, illegit, part of, part of the Bible, not part of the Bible, you know, because that was, that was all that I knew and just assumed it was all true as an early believer. What, what do you guys have as a starting point? You know, like, what do you bring to the text and the book of Revelation? Like, what's your background to understanding this book? Jake, you want to start up? Uh, yeah. Growing up, it's like when the Left Behind series books were out. Mm-hmm. So we just, I think we read through those as a family or listen to them on tape. Um, so that kind of understanding, mm-hmm. you, it was just assumed, oh, that's that's an explanation of what's being taught. And you just kind of took it. I never really read it and studied it for myself. It was just, you took that uh, fictional story and kind of like just applied it to that. So Nicholas Carpathia is the Antichrist. Dude. I still remember <laughs> that from the books. And it's like, uh, so this is how it's going to play out. And that's how yep. and you just... I just took that as like, oh, yeah, that's how it is, and never really gave it much thought after that. Right. Yeah, I was raised in a very evangelical Bible teaching church, so uh, I, I think it was, you know, uh, pre-millennial, pre-trib uh, teaching on it. It was a big deal, though, when our pastor switched his position to more of a pre-wrath rapture, and I mm-hmm. still remember the, you know, Sunday night church when he was presenting, you know, a lot of controversy uh, stirred up in that. So Wait, he presented a change of view on a Sunday night service? Did he yeah. open it up for questions then? I I, I don't remember. I was young. <laughs> I just remember it was a big deal. It Now that I look at it, it's all very much still in one kind yeah. of understanding of Revelation. So I don't know how big of yeah, a one move that was. Off. Yeah, one little tick, right. <laughs> Can you imagine doing that? Like we're having a Sunday meeting, change my theological position. <laughs> That'd be that'd be an adventure. Yeah. Well, and it's and then had a a mentor later who was coming from more of a reformed, uh, amillennial view, and then and then so that kind of challenged some of my in the same church though in the same church. Yeah. So um, a little smorgasbord there. Yeah, he wasn't too outspoken about it, but 
had to keep it on the download. Yeah. So as you think about that, you know, again, it's not just we that bring something into the text. If you had to guess, what do you think kind of the average Veritas attendee listener to these messages? Do you have a, a gut feeling on what the starting point is for, you know? I think this think? is where you're going to see a pretty big difference between our churches. Hmm. I mean, so, like, what do you... I think, I think, I wonder if Veritas Cedar Rapids is going to have just some older saints that have more background in this, maybe more sure. opinions. Sure. I, I feel like a, our, our students, uh, more younger college, uh, are just more impressionable, younger mm. in their faith. So I, I don't know. It, yeah. Not as familiar, you're saying. Not as they don't have a yeah. The a people I'm interacting, like in the foyer last week, you yeah. know, this person who yeah, they've never been to church, and but they're a new baby Christian, right. excited to learn through right. Revelation, and are trying to catch up with some of the sure, the sure. terms. And where if you're a boomer or you know you're in your 50s or 60s, you've maybe been through a Sunday school class or a, a study on right. it, or you've heard somebody preach through it. Although we, I've had a few people in that age range excited because of all their years going to church, no one's ever preached through through the book. Interesting. So they're kind of leaning in in that way. I, don't you think that is true, that there's more people that have assumptions about the book of Revelation and fixed assumptions, strong, you know, like yeah. clear assumptions that they may find sure. are not there, right? Are not reinforced after we actually start turning the pages of that book. Yeah, it's interesting because when you think of like views on baptism, mm. or whether it's believer's baptism. You can have people that it's like, they have a strong conviction, and it's like, you've never studied it. That's just what you grew up with. Mm -hmm. You find some similar things in Revelation, like you are 100% certain, like, this is what it means, just because that's what you grew up with. You've never right. actually kind of really worked it out on your own. Yeah. But for mm -hmm. some reason, there, there can be strong opinions in this yeah. study. Right. Don't you, I mean, I guess all of us as pastors are just praying for us first, and then next in line, anybody that's going to listen, that we will do what Jesus says in those opening chapters, have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying. You know, what I mean? Instead of having our ears already full of what we think he's saying to the churches that we've already imagined that he's saying to the church yeah. through this well, book, but actually... Jeff, that was our hear. conversation on the way up here to Veritas, and yeah. when you were just saying, man, thinking about the your sermon to Laodicea, and just like, you don't want to just get lost in commentary work. Right. What? Yeah. How do you approach it pastorally in right. the heart of Christ for our churches? Yeah, I was saying that, that that's kind of the, uh, if, if there's any anxiety or whatever, you know, tension in my soul right now, it's, man, Holy Spirit, you, you say that you've got something to say to the churches. You have something very specific to each of those seven opening churches that he speaks to. Oh, I bet you've got something very specific you want to speak yeah. to our church. So help me be in tune yeah. with the Spirit, into you know, with with the Word saturated in my soul, but then an awareness of that spiritual yeah. dynamic. And uh, again, otherwise you can get lost into in, in all the details of, oh, what are these hot springs at Laodicea, and what are those cold whatever you know, sure, <laughs> the details. Yeah, for sure. Do you think that a reason that people may be leaning into the study or tainting interpretation is just the tensions of our world mm. and the news cycle. And then like, I just want to make sense of what I'm seeing in the world. Right. And right. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. But, but I think there is that kind of CS Lewis chronological snobbery going on where 
oh, you think we're the first people who have had a tumultuous <laughs> world that we're growing up in? Like, yeah. every Christian of every day throughout history has had good reason to be like, is this the end? Yeah. Look at what's going on all around me. You know what I mean? so, but we somehow feel like we've got a, you know, a corner on that market. Um, Jake, when you opened up the series at Veritas Cedar Rapids, um, you made this statement. You said, all right, everybody grab your Bibles and open up up. It's time to go to work, you know? And then you made an appeal like, hey, I, I really want you guys to have a, a Bible, like a real Bible, uh, yeah. a tangible Bible, you know? I, expand on that. Why Why did you say that? What, what's... So wait, my digital one is not real tangible? It's not a real one. <laughs> you, you said paper? Is that what? I don't well, know if I said I don't know paper. paper. I, I, don't know I wanted them to bring, I said a Bible. It's the old crudge in me, in me like, a, a, a book form. Get a book. a book form. I didn't. I don't think I made that defense. Like if you could, I just, and I don't know if it's connected to, uh, the phrase in those first three verses about you know the, would be blessed to those who read aloud. Like there's, so, but just in general the culture of our church. Like, don't come to church without the word of God, whether it's on your phone or a Bible, and just rely on us to put it on the screen, or just listen to us talk. Like it's better if you it's in front of you. And you, you're seeing it in the text. Um, I just think people will benefit more that way. No, I was in, intrigued by that. because I mean, obviously, in these opening churches that he talks about, Ephesus and so forth, they are literally just reading out loud, and people are passively just mm-hmm. listening you know, in. But we live in a day where it is so accessible. We've got, like you guys do, Bible sitting right there in the foyer. You've got phones that you can get it easily yeah. on we've got I think even we've, the journal yeah things, we both you know? the journals which are great so that that's why i think that impulse whatever medium yeah. you use to have it in front of you for there's sure a blessing right yeah. there's th- and beyond that just as a church culture like i love uh and this is totally preference more than i love the hearing of the turning of the pages like and i like going in the foyer and seeing people hold their bible like when you just want to be a church that loves the word of god like to see it to hear it that's just i get giddy off of that but yeah you can log onto your phone you don't know if i'm reading the bible or playing yeah, Boggle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and mark's doing his wordle yeah yeah <laughs> completely no i think that's that's really legit and there's there's no other book in the bible that has that strong you know, opening yeah. where it says there's a blessing if you yeah. will, you know, read it, hear it, and can, and keep it. You know? Can you imagine opening your sermons that way? Hey, if you guys listen to this and really heed what I have to tell you, there's, there's, a, blessing. there's a blessing. Well, I mean, when we're preaching from the Word of God, we can say that with confidence, but I mean, there, there's a bold statement right off the bat of this mm, book. Yeah. So, Dude. So as we're going through uh, the book of Revelation, I mean, it's, it's clear from chapter one, and we're going to see this all the way through. Aside from a lot of the mysterious stuff, and we're going to bump up against that for sure. We can't avoid that, you know, the the symbols and signs and and different uh, images that we're going to see. But there's also these clear threads or like currents that you find. Um, one is that church that uh, just compromises, caves to the world system, and uh, the warning, I guess, through all that, that there's going to be this strong world system, and we've got to be careful not to get pulled into that. But then also this idea of of the persecuted church. At one point, you've got martyrs crying out, how long, oh Lord, right, this, the, the, the afflicted church. So those seem to run 
through the whole book. You know what I mean? Like, even if we don't get all the images and stuff, this call to persevere and sustain affliction and don't cave to this. Okay, how do you think these words, these pages should land on our church in Iowa in 2023? You know what I mean? Like, what what might you feel those those tensions in as maybe Thyatira would in the first century? What do you think? I was thinking about going through, when we were going through the churches, and I just wonder if we have the right measuring stick for health. Mm-hmm. And this was like, because we were in a staff meeting, and one of our staff was like, did this frustrate you guys? There was an issue we were working through. And we're like, oh, totally. It, and it kept bringing up, I'm really bothered, but we need to fix this, you know? And it was a way that some things were going on in the gathered church. In the, the gathered church. Yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah, you know, uh, so yes, that bothers me. But what stuck out to me, and, and everyone in the church has things. Mm. We're like, hey, raise your hand if there's things in this church you wish were different. Don't you wish somebody would do something about that? Yeah. But what, what I loved in the letters was Jesus to every one of them. I know. I'm walking around among mm-hmm. the lampstand. You yeah. guys are the light of the world. And I'm, yeah, I get it. I'm walking around and I see it all, you know. And he says, I know. I, I get it. Jesus understands that frustration with what's going on. And it just was a, it was a comfort, though, that he knows and he's over it, but also wanted me to, I just wanted to lean in and want us to lean into, okay, that, that's the thing, like you're frustrated that we're not healthy in this area, but then it raised the question, okay, so if you wanted to assess the health of your church, of our church, how would you do it? Mm. What's the measuring stick? Yeah. It, well, Read the letters. I was going to say. And you can find out what he considers healthy and what he considers sickness. Yeah. And it's not, how are you going to measure it? Is it attendance? Is it budget? Is it how excited people were in worship? Is it how much we reach the poor? Is it how much we preach the Bible? Jesus tells us in those letters what is healthy. Yeah, we see what matters to Christ when it comes to his church in those letters, which can be really challenging even i was thinking as a leader like there's certain things when you're trying to just execute ministry that you can be like what's wrong with our church you can jump to like well our kids check-in needs to be better and we need to get you know <laughs> it's parking problem figured out and we need to have better assimilation into groups and we have to visitors fall, fall through the cracks and like you you kind of all those things and None of that is mentioned in any letters of, you know, but it's like, oh, how are we doing compromising sexual immorality or embracing false teaching or, you know, that's where it's like, oh, that's what matters. Well, you, you know, what stuck out to me too is Smyrna. You know, they're one of the two churches that doesn't get rebuked. And he says, you guys are persecuted. You're poor. Mm -hmm. You're poor. But you're rich. You're small. Yeah. You're suffering in this, in the crown city of Asia in Smyrna. The Roman emperors go through, and they've got a cult temple, and mm-hmm. and he says, "You guys are afflicted and poor, and yet you're rich. So you can be suffering and healthy, and that's that. That to me is a different measuring stick that I'm using. The two churches that don't get any rebuke were the smallest and mm-hmm. least influential yeah. of the seven. Wow, and that was was Philadelphia. Yeah, yeah. Wow. 
It was actually really fun. I I uh, was up in Dubuque where we've helped a church launch up in Dubuque, and we're taking them through this same city. And it was really fun for me to see this, you know, much smaller gathering and, you know, in a rented place, and they're just scrappy. just trying yeah. to, And I was like, man, this is actually – at first I was thinking, oh, man, to have them go through the book of Revelation on the front yeah. end, like, is that <laughs> – like throwing them in the deep end? No, the more I thought about it, I'm like – Perfect. Oh no, this should define you. Yeah. Like l- praise God that you guys get to think about how to calibrate this thing from infancy. Yeah. Kind of, you know what I mean? And and to really key in on what Jesus right. is saying. So we can see like what what should matter most for our churches. But how do you how do we help our people bridge we're not under that kind of social pressure, right. persecution that they were, especially for Americans that we've enjoyed a season of, if you would say, I'm a Christian 30 years ago, 20 years ago, that would be like, yeah, that's pretty normal. In fact, it might even give you some social credit mm-hmm. in your workplace. Now we're starting to feel the term Christian starting to get used more in a derogatory term. So it's, we're feeling this shift. Like, how did the words in Revelation speak to our people in that sense? Well, I, th- I hopefully it gives us a little bit of caution to to wave the the martyr flag too quickly, <laughs> <laughs> because we have been blessed. Like even when you think about the most simple kind of baseline, like uh, that we can have charitable giving to churches and we don't have to pay taxes on that or whatever. Like they might take that away. You're like, well, go talk to any Christian throughout yeah. the ages that ever got any kind of credit. Right. Of any kind yeah. for giving sacrificially that to their have local given church. without tax breaks. Imagine yeah. that. <laughs> like, so I'm just saying. I hope what it does is soften our our impulse to freak out and think because I do think we're going to be challenged more than a generation before. I do think there's very real. I'm not minimizing the kind of you know obstacles we're going to face, but at the global scale and the first century scale of what. God's yeah. church was prepared, I guess, to, to um, persevere through. We've we got a pretty long ways to go <laughs> before we're going to start swapping notes. I think I, I would say that I, I agree with you, and I might push back a little bit. Mm. Because I do think we, you know, you sent me the video from Zambia. And oh. sweet Grace Kalunga, this yeah. woman that crawled on her hands and knees, probably a woman in her... 60s, crawled uh, about a mile and a half to get to this newly planted church. She's got gloves on, so she, you know, she's crawling on her hands and knees and just. Why is she crawling? Is it? She she was born with uh, defects on her legs. She cannot walk. So the only way, she has no wheelchair, no anything. So her only means of of transportation is to crawl. Wait, wait, before we go on, you're telling me that a woman. In her 60s, crawled on her hands and knees a mile and a half to come to church. Yeah, yeah. a brand yeah, I'll new show you, church. I'll show you yeah. the video. Can we get like her cell number and anybody that misses or says they can't make it will just have call her and tell her why you oh, couldn't make it. Oh, except that she doesn't have a cell phone or service. <laughs> yeah, but hey, we'll yeah, have so we'll have Grace pray for you. That, <laughs> that she, that, and, and Jeff sent me this video and I just cried because I was preparing for this sermon and I'm like, they're Smyrna, yeah, right. and we're Pergamum, yeah. Or Laodicea or whatever, but but I see. Oh, so here's kind of the the thing that I'm saying though is the hostility in America. It's the it it it, it is a, 
against the teachings. Like when I yes. when we were talking about, um, I'm not going to re-preach the sermon, but we were talking about the teachings of Balaam and Nicolaitans. We know what the teaching of Balaam was. It's get them to sin sexually. Mm-hmm. And you won't have to, Balak, don't worry. You won't, I don't have to curse them. You won't have to lift a sword. God will punish them. If you can just stir in some sexual immorality and some of your uh, cult idols and worship. Well, he's the... I think that America is is Pergamum. We we have mixed in teachings, and when you preach the truth, you're gonna get you will lose social credibility. Like you will be ostracized in your neighborhood. You will be, uh, I mean, people. Will leave, I mean, already you know people left the church or leaving the church because of that sermon a few sure. days ago. You know, it's not. And and so I would say that yeah. And it's getting there is more and more hostility on that where, you know, 30 years ago, you preach that sermon, you're going to get more general agreement, even from presidents, you know, p- right. pushing policies that, mm. you know, certain things. But now I think I see it yeah, as and it's probably the heat's be getting turned subtle up. because of that, right? Because there's kind of a new takeover. So I agree with, yeah, totally. That's, that's a good call. That's yeah. a good call. I feel like two different groups in the church, they need to hear both sides, but maybe... It, more liberal, moral, compromising, this strong call to like stay faithful. Like don't don't care what the world does. Like stay faithful to Christ. And then there's also this message to maybe more of a conservative audience of the gospel does not need democracy. Right. Like it needs faithful, courageous. So don't put your hope in political powers. Don't put your hope in policies. Um, because you have these persecuted churches that are getting addressed, but the larger story is, oh, the gospel thrived during this time. Right. Mm. Let the lampstand yeah. be the gospel of Christ. Let, yeah. if, if we're shining anything out from this place, for sure. Yeah. So, so that's a good segue into the next question I had. You know, there's uh, so many visions of Jesus Christ throughout the Book of Revelation. I mean, it's it's the most worshipful book. Again, it's almost a shame that we assign it to all the apocalyptic stuff when there's more about Jesus in this book mm. than, and I'd include the Gospels than any other book. So how, what do you think is maybe a contribution to a fuller understanding of Jesus Christ that we're going to gain if we really listen in you know, to Revelation? How, how do we understand Jesus better, expand our vision of Jesus? Mm. I think of... Um how the Apostle John would, his experience of Jesus as his rabbi that washed his feet, that hung on a cross, that was the lamb, that, that they hung out, that they laughed, that they he was taught by, and then to get this vision mm. and to see his Lord in such a more glorious, frightening, majestic way I think we need that because so much of it's like to a, to a bad extreme, Jesus is my homeboy type of mm. where it's like, yes, he's a friend of sinners. And yes, he's a compassionate um, leader. It, yes, he, he loves us. And he is like this glorious, you know, riding on a white horse with, you know, beings to be bowed down and worshipped and what might scare you when you see him in all his glory. You get that in Revelation. It feels like, oh, we would be better if we got that vision. Yeah. And I wonder, like, what was that like for John? Mm. And it's like, the last time I saw you, we were fishing. And now, <laughs> you know, like, wow. that, that would be an experience I hope we have. It's like, 
the Jesus I remember, it's like, yeah, I can't wait to. And then it's like, oh, wow. Oh, that's yeah, good. We, we'd, be be- we'd be better off if we captured that mm. as a church. What do you think, Mark? You got anything? I just think, uh, Jake, your sermon for this Sunday, I want to listen to it, because you, you talked about Jesus introduces himself to each of the churches, and there's a different aspect of himself. You know, to Pergamum, who's struggling with falsehood and false teaching, he's going to say, I've got a double-edged sword coming out of my mouth. You know, for maybe the church is getting into astrology and some weirdness. You know, I hold the morning star in my right hand. I'm over all that, you know, or I'm the alpha and the ma- You know, he's, he's, he's addressing himself and saying, this is, this is what you need to see and hear about me. And then how he ends with reward, you know, and I think that's a, a huge theme in Revelation too, that it's worth it. I mean, what is that stone with my name on it? Mm. And, and, you know, maybe that's a, you know, wow, not guilty forever. The decree of God, that stone mm. with my name is, is declaring to me, you are forgiven, forever forgiven. And it's got my new name on it. I mean, just the, the glories of this, you know, your imagination. I just think this should stoke our, our imagination if Jesus has become just a, something we're right about, mm. you know, uh, a set of propositions that we right. assent to with our minds. Right. This is the living God that we need to get yeah. on our knees before. And- and that he's continuing to, out of love, draw in even the Laodiceans. You know, even those that are kind of a train wreck. Yeah. His appeal in those opening chapters is actually, oh, I want to receive you. I still, I'm, I'm at the door. Let me in. Like, I love that even though he is at times a, a ferocious, you know, like fearful king, the whole book starts out with this glorious invitation the god of the universe that is going to set all things aright is appealing welcome i I want you to repent and come and i want to welcome you into this glorious place you know no and i think we learned something just what it means to really call people to faithfulness in hard times where Mm -hmm. in those letters there's there's some tough words where it's like you better get this right or i'm gonna come take your lampstand or i'm gonna come like a thief in the night and like it's like wow you can't like you didn't pull any punches in that but there's also surrounded by such a picture of hey jesus is better mm-hmm. than this world like why would you ever want to not be faithful to right. it there's nothing more glorious than him and so there's a sense of like yeah we're not we're going to speak truth clearly but you got to present as john does christ as worthy of our faithfulness mm, that's good that's good so that idea also, you know, right away of Jesus being the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and now the end, you know, the finale, the, the consummation of all things. Um, there are, by by some counts, you know, up to 500 allusions in the book of Revelation to the Old Testament. You know, again, more than, by far, more than any other New Testament book, just re- references back, rarely an actual quote, but lots and lots and lots of, of allusions to the Old Testament. So... Having now done a good job of, of listening to and obeying the book of Revelation, how will that help the average reader pick up some things from the Old Testament? You know what I mean? How, how will that work backward then and help us understand the Old Testament with a little bit more clarity? What do you guys think? Well, last week when I was talking about the teaching of Balaam, and I said just 
How many of you have heard of numbers 22 through 25? And you, you know, shake your head no if, if like you've never heard of that. You didn't shame them by making them either stand up or sit <laughs> no, down. No, it's just, <laughs> just you don't have to raise your head. Just like, just like, I want to see, I want to see the head. I mean, it was like a cl- the whole yeah. church. It was just like, uh, shake, nope, never, don't know that or can't remember what's in that. That's an example of, and the one I brought up, the teachings of Balaam, I read a editorial from a, you know, USA Today and, and basically said, this is what it sounds this like. Is, <laughs> this is the teaching of Balaam. This is yeah. what it sounds like. I have it in my Pretty notes. Pretty spot on. Yeah. yeah. Uh, if you want to hear what it sounds like in 2023, this is it. And, and here's the thing, that yeah. I hope that people go back and read Numbers 23 through, mm. 22 through 25. Another way this came up, and this is where I personally was rebuked. You talked about people that have these, you know, strong opinions about Revelation and, and yeah, all the LaHaye left behind stuff. I mean, that was, oh yeah, that's how it's going to, you know, I can draw it out on a timeline and map and trumpets and, you know, seven years of this and three and a half years here. And, and uh, one of my mentors, the, the more reformed guy, he's like, well, Mark, look at uh, the Mark of the Beast. I'm, oh yeah, this is great. Cause I want to see what your Dakota ring is for, <laughs> right. you know, for this. And he's like, do you know the, the most well-known passage in the old Testament? Every Jewish kid at their bar mitzvah, bat mitzvah has this memorized in Hebrew. The Shema. The Shema. Shema Yisrael. Adonai Eloheinu. Adonai Akkad. It's, it's the, the Lord this, this is it. Yeah. The Lord, our God. And, and so in that passage, you know, he talks in Revelation, where's the mark of the beast? You know, on your wrist, on your forehead. I'm like, man, I hope I don't get that computer chip, you know, or that tattoo so I can get groceries. And he's like, you know, what does that Deuteronomy 6 say? Well, here it is. The Shema, listen, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These words... I am giving you today are to be in your heart. Repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Bind them as a sign on your hand and let them be a symbol on your forehead. Write them on the doorposts of your houses and on your city gates. The way that you, my people, are going to be different from the world is the word of God is going to be all over your life. It's going to be in your mind, your forehead, not, not a tattoo, not a literal, but it's going to be in your mind. You're going to think about it. You're going to think biblically and on your hands. Your hands are your actions, what you do in your actions. Let it be the word of God in real life mm, yeah. that okay so now when i go back to revelation and all of a sudden i'm like wait a minute is john saying in 666 you know that's that would be what seven is the perfect number this is the this worldly thinking worldly disobedience to god rebellion against god wow what if the old testament interprets that mm. and helps me now say, maybe I'm not concerned ab- about the future. Will I be able to get groceries? And I hope I don't get the computer chip is what TV shows am I watching? What podcasts are influencing the way I think Yeah. Then maybe I'm allowing the mark of the beast 
worldly thinking. Where do I need to repent of my actions because I need God's word? Obedience. So that would be an example of how... Are you saying... The, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, how, how the Old Testament, it, it just, our study of Revelation doesn't expose our ignorance about the future as much as it does the oh, Old Testament. That's yeah. Good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, there can be people that are so worried about not getting the mark of the beast, but they're already so marked by the world. Yes. Wow. Yes, wow. that's what I'm talking they just, about. Yeah. They're missing it. Um, I think to the Old Testament one, it's like the people that in their Bible reading plan just quit going through Ezekiel because it's like, right. <laughs> I'm, and then you have this like, I really want to understand Revelation. And it's like, oh, I should probably go back right. and read Ezekiel. Um, hopefully this study will motivate you, do the hard work of, of understanding these writings in the Old Testament because mm -hmm. it sheds light on understanding this book. So my wow. hope would be, yeah, your passion to understand this apocalyptic revelation will drive you back to the Old Testament. Well, it's kind of like, you know, if you get to the end of a good book or the end of a good movie or something, and there's all these loose ends all tied up, and a lot of people want to go back and review part of that movie that, oh, that's what they were, or, yeah. you know, in that book or whatever. I hope people, all of a sudden, some light bulbs go on and they're like, oh, man, I never saw that coming yeah. together. You know what I mean? Like, that's that's what the book of Revelation yeah. is all about is, is pulling all those threads together and showing obviously preeminently sure. in Jesus Christ, but how it's all going to be tied up. It, it's all going to make sense, you know? So I hope it, yeah, I hope it creates a hunger in me yeah. and in all those that are listening in, you know? Yeah. Um, just a couple more questions. Are, do you guys have any concerns about preaching through the book of Revelation? Like even on, you know, a couple of weeks in or whatever, like, or not? Or are you just saying, yeah, let her rip? You when know? we went through First Corinthians, we joked that this is a shrink the church campaign because <laughs> of all the tough stuff dealt with in, in that. Yeah. I feel like Revelation is the shrink the church campaign yeah. just because there's so much passion to mm. maybe some interpretations. Uh, and there's also clear calls to faithfulness against an idolatrous world that you yeah. can step on toes. Um, so... That's a good. I don't. I wouldn't say it's a hesitation, though. I kind of lean into that, like, yeah, let's go. Um, but those are potential consequences. Yeah. My concern about preaching it is I want to preach it in a way that honors people who might disagree right. with me on it, especially our elders. We have elders that are at different places on understanding of it. So I think, I think approaching it with if somebody does, ha if I have a different view than someone, I hope that they will be. Uh, feel respected that, hey, mm. you know, this isn't like I have the right, right. understanding of Revelation yeah. and you are wrong, but that we come out uh, as we humbly work our way through it more in awe of Jesus together. Mm. So so I think it's more a, a spirit thing for us as we step in, in to preach the word that yeah. we we do it in a way that, no, I hope people are encouraged. It's not like I, I don't, I, here, here's the way I approach Revelation fundamentally is, he says, read, read these words, take these letters around, read it out loud in the churches, they'll be blessed to hear them. I believe that the first century Christians could understand what was being read. Mm. I don't think that 
You'll be blessed if you hear it, but you won't understand any of it. That's for people 2,000 years in the future that will be able to understand <laughs> what these dragons are. They're F-16 jet fighters or whatever. You, you'll never understand it. No, yeah. I think I think it's accessible. I, so I hope it's more accessible than people That's think curious. I wonder that. And I guess we'll know someday when we, when we get to the new heavens and new earth. I feel like I, I get what you're saying. That, that they would have had, especially in these letters and those kind of things, there's some allusions to things that would have like immediately locked in. But I wonder if there was also some intentionality of, I mean, it seems like John himself seems to be kind of mystified and thrown off by what he's saying. So I, I don't know, but I hope all of yeah. us though, don't give up too easy. That, I mean, yeah. that's my thing is, yeah, let's just say we're gonna hit some things that are hard to understand. Well, yeah. <laughs> these are the things of mm -hmm. God. This is the, the final chapter to the entire storyline of God. Imagine that, that mm -hmm. we're not going to understand every, yeah. every page. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I hope we, we find more encouragement and more light bulbs going off, you know, but we just keep coming back. That's, sure. that's the blessing of Revelation. We keep coming back and keep yeah. listening. Have, and you, keep... have you preached through the whole book before? Uh, in this kind of way, like a more quick yeah. run through it. In, yeah. But again, it's, I would say this, I come back and I feel like I have many of the same questions. Again. <laughs> you know, I wish, I wish I could say I have the answer sheet, you know, yeah. somewhere in the back. Oh, let me just pull out all the answers. Have sheets, you, Mark, you know? have you pre ever preached no. through? I haven't either. I, just I, the letter. Yeah. I've done yeah. that a few times, but the book, and I don't, I don't, I may be wrong on this. Was it Martin Lloyd Joins that was, hey, wh when are you going to preach through Romans? And he's like, as soon as I understand Romans 6 or something. Like I've felt like I've almost avoided this because it's hard to get in and be like, well, I, th I think this mm -hmm. it could be this and, and not really knowing. But I think there's there's appropriate humility in oh, for sure. some of these texts. Yeah, I'm not as worried about like Mark and I have di having different views on something as we come to a text. It's when neither of us have a view on the <laughs> I'm more worried about that. Like somebody throw us a lifeline at that point. <laughs> But uh, do you, have you guys found already uh, any just one kind of nugget or s some cool truth that maybe you've discovered or rediscovered even early on, just personally, that that comes to mind? I Maybe this isn't exactly what you're at. Uh, I was in my office yesterday studying the seals, six and mm. seven. Michael... Was working on the trumpet. And by the way, the seals—they're not the animal kind. Not the animal. <laughs> the <laughs> seals of the scroll. There you go. The seven seals. And uh, Michael comes into my office. He was trying to study the trumpets, and he just goes, "Revelation is hard." <laughs> <laughs> that was a profound statement that we were both like, "I need to take a walk or something." My brain right. is is hurting trying to get my mind around some of these things. But um, the the truth that stood out to me the most in studying this is um, sometimes I can just jump right into, all right, what are the meanings of the word? What does this mean? Mm. And I've just been hit with, oh, this was written to real people. Yeah. Like, this was a letter that, not just real people, real people that were re really struggling. Yes. And trying to keep that in mind when I'm trying to figure out yeah. what things are meaning. And I think that brings, also helps with just a pastoral tone. Like, how would that persecuted person living in Smyrna he hear this? Yes. Yeah. Mm. That's a good word. How about you, Mark? What do you think? I just want to read 22, just the the first five verses. Yeah. And just, 
because I, I just can never get past this. This is just glorious. But um, then he showed me the river of the water of life, clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the city's main street. The tree of life was on each side of the river, bearing 12 kinds of fruit, producing its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations, and there will no longer be any curse. The throne of God and the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. Night will be no more. People will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, because the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. Dude, that's beautiful. That's what we need to keep it for us. And that's how it. That's why I just think how cool that it ends. He who testifies about these things says, "Yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus." The grace of the Lord Jesus be with everyone. Amen. Do you think that we need to have more frequent, better view of eternity? There's, I mean, it, it's so right. brought out so much in this book that we can start a part of not being faithful or compromising is just living now and benefiting from a picture of what is to come. I was just I was telling you guys before we started this that I just read for the first time uh, the last battle with the the last book of the Chronicles of Narnia, and he gives this description of the new creation he mm. makes Narnia, and I'm just like tearing up yes. reading because it it's like, and I'm thinking this is a fantasy book about a make believe place, but then you get into <laughs> Revelation, and it's like, oh, this is reality of a real place. And how beautiful some of these descriptions are. It's like, mm-hmm. seeing it in my own heart and, and wanting it for our church of just like, just longing. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know if we really know what to long for. There's this, like having a better picture, which Revelation gives us of what's to come. Totally. So that totally teased me up for what I was going to end with is, I, I just started reading The Magician's Nephew, which is, depending on how you read them, a little controversy there. Anyway. <laughs> The, the first of the Chronicles of Narnia, because it kind of gives the backstory to the Chronicles of Narnia. Anyway, the opening paragraph of The Magician's Nephew says, This is a story about something that happened long ago when your grandfather was a child. It is a very important story because it shows how all the comings and goings between our own world and the land of Narnia first began. And the reason it so caught my attention is because I'm reading the book of Revelation right now. And... Man, my prayer is that the book of Revelation will be kind of like what, what that opening paragraph is. It reminds us that there's this whole other world. It reminds us of this supernatural realm that we're going to be able to enter into and just raise the level of fascination, raise the level of, of that holy longing and that, that holy kind of missing our real home that, you know what I mean, should stir in every Christian. But I'm telling you guys, my confession is it's too dormant in my life. And I want the book of Revelation, not necessarily to, to answer every single question I bring to the text, but that it certainly does raise that level of just a longing and desire for home, you know, and the fascination with what's beyond this, this scene. We're too materialistic, yeah. right? We're too materialist. I want to, 
I, I want to grow in my fascination and revelation will give lots of opportunity for that. If we have ears to hear. Yeah. Guys, thanks for doing this. This has been a blast. I don't know if anybody else will get anything out of it, but I've gained a ton. So, uh, yeah, thanks for inviting us up and, uh, God bless all of you who listen in as well. And, uh, Stick with us as we journey through the book of Revelation. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Veritas Equipping Podcast. If you have any questions you would like us to address or ideas on how we can serve you better, please reach out to us by email at info at veritascr.church and put podcast in the subject line.